Sean Davis, today's guest, is the founder and managing partner of Merton Capital Partners. Merton advises on investing philanthropic capital at scale to solve significant social and environmental issues, including affordable housing. He'll share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show, where we empower you. Sean, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm just thrilled to connect. Thanks, Devin. I'm looking forward to this. Well, you're doing some amazing work. And, uh, you know, to, to kind of frame our discussion just a little bit, I had the opportunity a few years back uh, to, to to do a one-on-one interview with Bill Gates, who, of course, really created this uh, idea of getting billionaires to commit at least half of their wealth to charity before they die, which is kind of a a big challenge. But now there's you know a huge pile of money that's sort of committed to charity, and you're thinking some deep thoughts about how to get that deployed in a way that really makes some sense. So tell us a little bit about what you're thinking. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, I was, um, you know, and and I know we'll get into background and such, but having had a private equity background and then working for nonprofits and seeing the lack of planning in the nonprofit world and, and how hard it is to get things done because budgets are so tight, when I saw the giving pledge, um, yes, that Bill and Melinda and Warren Buffett put together, at first I was like, wow, this is incredible. And, and then I got a chill and I was like, oh my God, this money is never going to get deployed. Um, and, and that's what's happened. And so, you know, I think that um, the giving pledge itself has been an amazing advocacy tool. You know, I, I don't think there's one uh, wannabe billionaire in the world who has not heard of it and is not thinking, what do I do with my philanthropy? How do I also, you know, change the world? Um, and um, one of the difficulties with the giving pledge is that um, it's very much set up for people to make their own decisions. There's no real accountability. The, the assets are really still in the wealth, you know, whether it's the shareholdings of the individual and the family or wherever else it might be. Um, but, you know, it's really hard to give away large amounts of money. And I've, I've had conversations with several very, very large, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, wealthy individuals, billionaires. And they tell me sometimes, you know, it's harder to give away the money than it is to make it. Um, and so clearly, you know, there's a lot to be learned and all I had to learn about the giving pledge. And then also, like, how do you deploy it and how do we do that? Well, it's kind of uh, exciting to think about your ideas, especially around affordable housing. Um, and so I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of walk us through the model you envision for this philanthropic capital playing a role in affordable housing. It's, 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 it's a crisis across the country. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I started in in looking at it from a housing point of view because I worked for a nonprofit that helps the homeless. And I kept thinking, wow, you know, communities save money when we house the homeless. You know, there's the data is there, the mechanisms proving that and paying that out have been done. So the question is, how do we build more housing and how do we make it sustainable? Um, and so at first I was thinking, wow, you know, the, the thing about housing is that if you use a mixed rent model, 
if you have firemen and teachers living in a workforce housing building and you have elderly poor or people who just are in a very limited budget but can't pay 2000 a month, they can pay 1200 a month. You can do that with workforce housing and it becomes totally sustainable. So once you build it, you don't need to add any more money. And, and that's a very different model from, um, from the, the majority of the homeless housing where um, the housing is paid for by, by grant money because the residents aren't basically generating any revenue for, for, the, for the building. Um, but housing like water and other things, really it's infrastructure. And the key problem in the US right now is that you know, the, the pot of government money to build more affordable housing is very small. Um, we're losing units, about 10,000 a year, I believe, um, that lose their affordability. Um, and, and for workforce housing to be built, given the cost of construction, the rents end up being very high. So there's a missing middle for our whole country that if we don't figure it out and we don't get it done, um, you know, the, the economic consequences are, 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 are tragic. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, for for over a decade now, folks have been investing money, lending money via Kiva with kind of a, a simple model. They, they, they seek to get their capital back, but with no return. And uh, it's proven to be remarkably successful. Well over a billion dollars has been deployed this way. And so countless people, uh, millions have in, invested uh, starting as little as $25 um, with the goal of just getting the money back and redeploying it typically, uh, even though you can ultimately withdraw it. It seems to me that you have hit upon a parallel model for capital that is subject to the giving pledge. Yeah, yeah. And and my partners and I, we, we kind of stumbled upon this, you know, we're um, former later stage private equity investors. Um, so one of my partners set up KKR in Asia, the other one co-founded TPG's real estate team. And I worked for a group called Advent International, which is another one of the big private equity funds early in my career. And so we look at the world, you know, saying, okay, if you want to move this much capital, you have to put it with managers and companies that can take that much capital. And who can do that? And the answer is the 10 biggest developers in the country, right? We could, we could do one deal of 5 million of philanthropy and generate about 50 units, or we could do a deal of a billion of philanthropy and generate, you know, um, you know, an incredible amount of units. I'm trying to do the math now. A hundred million would be a hundred units. So a, a thousand, a thousand units of housing. Um, let me see if that's right. 500 units with 50 million. So a thousand, so 10,000 units with a billion. Um, yeah. Related or Kittle or any of the other developers can take a billion dollars today. That's, you know, it's a big number, but it's what they do every day. And so my, my partner, Anand Tijani, who worked for TPG and invested about 11 billion for them of equity in, in real estate deals, that's a normal conclusion. If you had a billion of philanthropy, we could cut a deal with the relatives of the world and have 10,000 units built either in one city or five cities. You know, So that was kind of the thinking. 
And there are a lot of nonprofit developers that can take a lot of money. But as a general rule, if you go to a billion, but then you go to 10 billion, and then you go to 100 billion, you really have to get all of the large real estate developers who would be delighted to build more on board. And that's what they do with their other capital sources. We're just asking them to to deliver more impact and we're holding them accountable as well, just like any you know, equity investor would do. So I think your vision is for that capital to come into the project with only a target return of, of returning it, right? So that there isn't a drain essentially a a profit tax on the residents. Uh, And that provides a subsidy that can persist long after uh, tax incentives might otherwise evaporate. Is that, am I understanding it? Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, Essentially, that's what's beautiful about setting up a deal where the philanthropy acts as the equity. Because once you do that deal, the rents are affordable in perpetuity. And the idea is we are putting the units in a land trust, a 501c3, to make sure we are providing a community with permanent affordable housing or permanent support, permanent, sorry, permanent workforce housing with very low rents. Um, We're actually having to come up for terms with this because essentially it's a workforce housing project with a third of the units being very low rent or, or more discounted. And we don't even have a term for that yet because today it's not possible, but correct. The, the, you know, what we're looking to do is, is, is to pay back the debt, pay back the philanthropy, which is structured as a re- recoverable grant. Um, but then instead of accruing another 20% as an equity investor would get, that, uh, that, that capital that doesn't have to pay, get paid back can be a reduction in rents to almost about half for about a third of the units, depending on, how, what population you want to target in the city and so on. Um, because the next step after that is if you are deploying, you know, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand units of, 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 of low rent uh, as part of a, a project where the other two thirds of the units are going to firemen and teachers and professors and such, um, you can actually solve a real problem. Um, and, 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 and we talk about solutions, but it's hard to find an actual solution. With this, you can say, okay, if the number of women who are victims of domestic violence in Detroit is X, we could develop enough units to house them all coming out of this nonprofit, for example. Um, And so you could say that you solve the lack of housing for that particular population for the first time in the history of America, right? That we did something Mm -hmm. like that. And the math is pretty simple. But if a, a philanthropist can see how their $100 million gift to, uh, to our DAF at Impact Assets could generate these units that fully house this population for this year or two years, wow, we just need to do more of that. And then across every city, and as you add more units for firemen and, 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 and teachers and policemen to, um, to, to target the housing crisis, you're also housing the most vulnerable And then the last bit, which is very exciting, is that, and this is already done in tax credit deals in in, in affordable housing and supportive housing, but out of the cash flows of of the deal, of the project, of the the units, you also have revenue to to hire nonprofits 
the nonprofit who provides, you know, the the residents basically who says, listen, th- these are these are the people we need to house, and we would house them. And out of the cash flow of the building, we would scale that nonprofit to provide services back to those residents. And so as you add more units, there's more permanent sustainable revenue for that nonprofit to scale. And so that's also exciting that you're indirectly scaling the local nonprofits by creating these um, you know, cash flow generating investments with philanthropy. Yeah, it's a, a, a brilliant model. How do you see your firm, Merton Capital Partners, playing a role in this? What's the role you envision playing? Yeah, well, we're we're playing two roles right now. Um, the first role is advocate, you know. So we've come up with this structure that we think can be incredibly successful, and we are doing it open source. We're hoping that people, you know, we we send our deck to whoever wants it, and and there's nothing, you know, these are deals. This is deal making and changes in capital structure. There's nothing really proprietary about that. Um, and like anything in private equity, it's not really proprietary in terms of anybody given certain minimum requirements can enter the business. Um, but, you know, so so just getting the word out um, and, and, and hopefully there will be 500 firms doing this in three years. Um, and the other part of the business is, is the firm that does the investing. And so we, we call the first one the Merton Philanthropy Institute that we're, we're launching, and that's more of a think tank, if you will, an advocacy vehicle. And then the other one is the investment firm that helps philanthropists who want to, you know, invest $5 million in this way or $250 million in this way to select a city, find the developer, hire the developer, create the land trust, and then deploy as much capital as they're um, willing to do. And then, like you said earlier, as that money gets paid back, then the donor has the option. Do I want to take that money out of the DAF back to my foundation and give it to the Red Cross? Or do I want to make it an evergreen investment so that the original money doubles its impact every 10 years? Yeah, it it, it is exciting to see how this can all work. And it, it, it fits nicely in the giving pledge context because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what this does is it gives a, a philanthropist billionaire an opportunity to ease into the giving, right? Because instead of giving the capital, they're really just giving the profit on the capital with this so that that capital remains part of their fortune, part of their corpus uh, for giving away and can come back and be recycled over and over again. Am I thinking about that the right way? Yeah, yeah, you're 100%. In fact, nobody's described it that way. And you're 100% right that that they're really giving away the profits. And it's really the opportunity cost of that capital that's now philanthropic not being in their for-profit portfolio. Um, and as long as they understand that that the philanthropy that's paid back has to stay in some nonprofit vehicle, you know, it, it, it's you're 100% right. What is also interesting is that, um, you know, that that they can, unlike private equity, where private equity firms are always looking at having full independence and full, like, give us the money, we'll tell you how it goes later. We want to engage the donors and the donors have full control at the DAF of the money, at the land trust of the money, and then it goes back to them. And so 
it's nice because the money doesn't come to us. We don't ever hold the money. Um, and I think so there's, there's, it's, it's kind of a, a changing of the private equity model for much more impact, but also uh, for an engagement. Because at the end of the day, I'm in the business of maximizing the fulfillment of donors. And, um, but I, I would go back to something you said, you know, all of these giving pledge philanthropists or the vast majority have a lot of experience in giving. They have a lot of experience in, in, in some also mm-hmm. in PRI, but the majority haven't, haven't even heard of PRI um, and that, that you can invest philanthropy in private companies. Um, but, you know, the question is, you know, I, I think there's, a, there's another side to this because people like to blame the philanthropist and be like, oh my gosh, they're so greedy. They pledge, they're not giving the money away. But in reality, if they're not being asked and presented projects to give $100 million every other week, it's really hard to, to, to move that money. So it's part yeah. of it is on us. Yeah, you're creating, you know, one of the key value points I think you're you're explaining to me is that you are creating a scale of of giving and investing uh, that is just sort of unprecedented that will allow folks to tap into this huge commitment uh, in a fresh way uh for the really for the first time so that that's brilliant that's brilliant well you've had a a stellar career you've done so much in both uh capital markets and in in philanthropy and nonprofit worlds uh what do you see as your superpower (laughs) i was i i saw i i saw that that you asked that and 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 I'm, i'm i'm grateful that you're asking that um and i'll answer it by saying that my nine year old has it um, and it's definitely genetic, but I, I have actually, and my, my 21 year old also have it. So I have three daughters, uh, Alexandra, who's at the University of Minnesota. I have uh, Sienna, who's 12, and then I have Allegra, who's nine. And I, it hit me with Allegra because I would see how she finds the boundaries. She finds the frontiers naturally. This is like genetic. And it's what I've done my whole life. I've, I'm interested about the front, frontier. And once I find the frontier of something, I start poking. I say, oh, what if we did this? I wonder if we can do that. How how do we do more of this? Now, when you've been telling moms with kids who are homeless and they're living in their cars that we're full and that all the nonprofit you know, shelters are full and you see them drive away and you say, hey, go to the Walmart, at least there's security and light. You know, you, you're more encouraged to find the, you know, push the frontiers. Um, so I would say opening a path that hasn't been opened is my superpower. Like I love to live in that space. It's almost like, you know, I grew up in, in Colombia. It's like I have a machete and I'm, I'm opening up a trail in, in the jungle. And, and now it's like a road, but, but it might have a precipice, you know, and then we have to go back around. Um, yeah. and, and I saw it in my daughter. I'm like, oh, my God, this isn't just me. This, there, there's some, you know, genetic thing here. Um, and I've been very fortunate, very blessed in that there are not a lot of people who have institutional private equity experience at the later stage level and have worked as a development officer at a nonprofit. There's just not that many people. Um, And so when I've had conversations with people like Chuck Harris, who started Blue Meridian Partners uh, with the Edna McConnell-Clark Foundation, and he was a Goldman partner and he's been trying to get billionaires to part with their money for 20 years. 
um, across, you know, he did a sea change and then blue meridian and, you know, there's not that many people like him and I running around. And, and um, so it's, it's very exciting when you find people like that. Um, so I think I had some un unusual background and also I have this superpower that I want to find a new way forward. And none of the things that we're discussing today are particularly original. It's just once you fall off a cliff, you realize one more. And once you've done that 10,000 times, it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great. As you think about your unique ability to trailblaze, to find new paths, to, to see a new direction, can you think of something that you've accomplished in that vein that you like to brag about and would share with us? Hmm. I can't think of anything specific. You know, I've always been an entrepreneur and I got into finance because I wanted to be the man, you know, and the masters of the universe when I was in college were, you know, private equity. Yeah. Um, I had read Barbarians at the Gates and boarding school because my dad worked for Nabisco. Um, um, but I started little businesses when I was in um, middle school, high school, college, you know, and then afterwards. So it's sort of something I can't help myself. But none, none successful. So yeah. <laughs> this one is going to be successful, but we'll see. This one will we'll be, see. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, as you think about watching your kids deploying this same skill, and as you think about yourself, certainly there would be times when you would want to say to someone else, just do this. What, what would the, how would you coach someone to develop more of this strength, even if it's not a natural one, how would they find it, discover it, and develop it? That's a great. That is a great question. Um, I guess if 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 somebody didn't have that inherent kind of need that I do, because I, I read something about you that I, I'm the same way. Like when I sit next to somebody in an airplane, maybe they're a neurosurgeon and they have a particular angle to. I'll keep asking questions until I get to that frontier where he doesn't or she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And then I start asking questions at that frontier. And it's super interesting to me. Um, so I think that could be a technique that's practiced. Um, sure. But what, hap what happens is that the person also leaves delighted because you are, and this is maybe something, I'm like a curator of people's enthusiasm. You know, yeah. by getting to that point, people are super enthusiastic and it's so wonderful to see. And I almost get to dance in that fire of enthusiasm that they have. And I know nothing of the subject, but I come away just happy because you you were kind of the two lights were ignited and they were brighted together. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Of here, I think <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Well, uh, this is great, Sean. I really appreciate you taking the time to to be with us today. Before we wrap up, I wonder if you would just take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Merton Capital Partners and your thinking. Uh, maybe tell them how to pick up a copy of your book and uh, anything else, especially people may be interested in in wanting to connect with you in one way or another. Let us know what the, the best way to connect is. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, LinkedIn is definitely the best way to connect. And we work for the donors. 
and it's very bespoke. So it's not like we have a pools of funds ready to be given into certain things. Um, but definitely my book, this uh, Solving the Giving Fledge Bottleneck, was an attempt to share all the ideas so far. And what you and I discussed about our housing, housing strategy is actually not in the book because it's been in the last year that we've developed this alternative path to what's in the book, but the book still gets you very close. Um, and I think that's kind of the, 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 the starting point uh, is, is kind of understanding the different pieces that I'm coming from. Um, but, you know, I, I encourage people and usually when, when I'm at a conference or, or when I'm at, when I'm in a meeting with people, I said, listen, 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 folks, you don't need me. Once you see this, it's very straightforward. All you need to find is your local private equity person, venture capitalist. And the starting point, though, is money. So who has money? Do you have money? And does somebody you know have money? And then this is a, a good alternative to finding impact. It's not the end all, you know, but it's it's about uh, providing the infrastructure that uh, is the most expensive part of the solution, um, and the part that without it nothing else gets solved. Um, in my in my opinion, um, so I think it's it's um, you know, you know, exciting because I'm hoping that once more people hear about it then it doesn't become so innovative, which means it becomes easier to do and more people will do it. Yeah, well, uh, that, that is fantastic. And I'm so grateful that you would take the time to share with us today uh, your vision for how this can work, especially to scale affordable housing across the country uh, in a way that can finally uh, satisfy the need for housing is just exciting to contemplate. So we wish you every success in your journey to make this happen. Thank you, Devin. I really appreciate it. And uh, please keep doing what you're doing. It's it's pretty amazing. You've figured out a, a way to, to, to really uh, uh, create some a great standard for this. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit DevonThorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.